Hello. Today we're going to continue with our study on the spiritual armor of God. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. I hope that you are enjoying this study. We're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18 it reads, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's strategies. For our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against evil spiritual beings in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist on the day of evil, and after fighting with everything you have to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth fastened around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Place on your feet the boots of readiness to proclaim the good news of the gospel of peace. With all of these items, put on, pick up the shield of faith so that you may quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on every occasion with every type of prayer and petition. Through all of this, stay alert. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and I have many of them. I'm sure you do as well. I love this scripture because it doesn't really... It doesn't sugarcoat the spiritual journey. It tells us that we are in a battle. And Paul is writing this from prison. So he knows what he's talking about when he talks about the spiritual battle. I also love this scripture because it let us, lets us know that this battle is not only fought here on earth. It is a cosmic battle that's raging all around us. Verse 12 specifically says, for our struggle is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against evil spiritual beings in the heavenly realms. That's intense. But we can win this battle, not by our own might and power, but by God's power. God equips us for this battle, and he gives us the spiritual armor. We must put on the spiritual armor, which is what we're talking about in this series of lessons. And every piece of armor is important. Every piece of armor has its purpose. And so we're going to look at this now and see what is this breastplate of righteousness. When I was in elementary school, I was actually put in school a little early. So I was one of the smaller kids in my class, probably the smallest, to be honest in my class. And I'm not sure why my mom put me in school early. It certainly was, wasn't because I was so smart. I think it was the fact that I was um, just so busy around the house that she didn't know what else to do with me. So she felt like, well, let me get him off to school. And at least from eight in the morning to three in the afternoon, somebody else will be watching him for a while. But being the smallest kid in the first grade isn't really to your advantage, especially when it comes to sports and those type of activities. And so I made it a point to pick out the biggest and toughest and most 
most athletic guy in the first grade and become that person's best friend. His name was Bill Cromer. Even the name sounds tough. And Bill and I did become fast friends. And Bill was always captain of the sports teams. He always had the first pick. I would have been picked last every time, except Bill always picked me on his team. And because of that, I was undefeated. I didn't contribute a thing. <laughs> it was all Bill. But uh, I was on the undefeated team. Why? Because I happened to become best friends with the person that could win everything. And you know, that's what that's how it is with us and God. You and God are an unconquerable army. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us here. But we still need to put on our spiritual armor. We still need to be prepared for battle. So I'm going to answer three questions in this lesson. Number one, we're going to look at what is the breastplate of righteousness. Number two, why do we need it? And number three, how do we use it? Or how do we put it on? So number one, what is the breastplate of righteousness? In the Roman army, a breastplate covered the vital organs. It covered the chest. And it was actually made out of one piece of metal that um, formed over the whole chest cavity. And this way it would protect, especially the heart, is what uh, they were most concerned about. So that's the breastplate. That's the easy answer. The more difficult answer is, what is righteousness? And this is how I like to define righteousness, just my own personal working definition. Righteousness is having a right relationship with God that then allows us to have right actions in our lives. And so it's the vertical and it's the horizontal. In the vertical, we have a right relationship with God. And in the horizontal, we have right relationships with other people and right actions in this world because of our right relationship with God. And I hope you see that. These, the horizontal really is based on the vertical, that we have a right relationship with God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, talking about Jesus there, if you know that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who practices what is right is born of him. The person that practices what is right isn't doing it because of their own power or their own will. They're doing it because they are born of Jesus who is righteous. Our righteousness comes from Jesus. And so we put on this breastplate of righteousness that is a gift of God. He gives us our righteousness. And therefore, we can do right acts in the world around us. You might remember this old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less. Well, nothing less than what? Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's where our hope is built. And then the song goes, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. And you might wonder, well, what in the world does that mean? What is the sweetest frame? Well, the frame means feelings or emotions. We don't trust our sweetest emotions. We don't trust our sweetest feelings. What we trust in is Jesus, who is our righteousness. We wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's how it ends there. 
You might be familiar with the Puritan writer John Bunyan. He wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And Bunyan wrote this. One day, as I was passing in the field, this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. Note that. Thy righteousness is in heaven. With the eyes of my soul, I saw Jesus as the, at the Father's right hand. There, I said, is my righteousness. So that wherever I was and whatever I was doing, God cannot say to me, where is your righteousness? For it is always right there before him. I saw that it is not my good frame of heart. Remember that word? It is my not my good feelings or my good emotions that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness is Christ. Now my chains fell off indeed, my temptation fled away, and I lived sweetly at peace with God. He came to understand that his righteousness was based on Jesus, which is what all of us need to understand. God gifts us his righteousness. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's his gift, and it protects our heart from evil. That's the breastplate of righteousness, when in today's terms would be probably called the Kevlar vest or bulletproof vest of righteousness. Now, number two, why do we need it? Why is probably the most important word in the English language. Why is the center of all of our motivation? Why do we do things? For intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation? For pure motivation or legalistic motivation? Why answers that? So why? Sometimes we want to skip straight to the how and forget the why. How do I do this? How do I accomplish this? But the why is so important because if you're constantly looking at how you're going to do it and forget the why, you won't have the conviction to live out the how to do it. You need that conviction, and that's the answer to why. So why? Well, why do we need the breastplate of righteousness? Because it does protect our heart. It protects all of our vital organs. Without it, we would have no protection there. And so the 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 breastplate of righteousness is this idea that you want to protect your heart. Proverbs 4.23 reads, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The breastplate of righteousness, this right relationship with God that leads to right actions with other people, that protects our emotions, our affections, our desires, our will, our understanding, our conscience, our behavior, and yes, even our whole life. Righteousness protects us in that way. And so, if we don't wear the breastplate of righteousness, then we leave our hearts exposed to attack. We leave our hearts exposed to a mortal wound that could actually do us in. Righteousness is so important. And this is why we need to always put on the breastplate of righteousness before we go into battle. Can you imagine Superman going into battle and just handing Lex Luthor kryptonite and saying, here you go, do what you will with this. 
Of course not. But sometimes we head into battle with that cavalier attitude without putting on the breastplate of righteousness and that God has already gifted to us if we will just understand who we are in Christ Jesus. So that's the why. Now let's talk a little bit here about the how. How do we put on this breastplate of righteousness? One word. I have one word for you. Surrender. It's not an easy word, but it's a one-word answer. Surrender. If you want it in more poetic terms, then all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Are you fully surrendered? Because there is no halfway surrendered. You have to be fully surrendered to Jesus. I want to share a few thoughts here from Thomas Kelly. He wrote a little book, real little book, but it's gargantuan in its power. It's called A Testament of Devotion. And it, I consider it a spiritual classic. Many people do. He talks about holy obedience. That surrender is holy obedience to God. That's the gist of the whole first section of his book. And he said the difference between holy obedience and unholy obedience is the difference between spirituality and being religious. Spiritual people obey God because they're connected with God. Unspiritual or merely religious people obey God out of a sense of duty or obligation or peer pressure. They obey in order to escape hell instead of obeying God in order to bring heaven to earth. And there's a huge difference there. And so the question becomes, are you spiritual or are you religious? Are you surrendered or not? Kelly quotes Meister Eckhart, another um, spiritual giant, mystical man. He says, there are plenty to follow our Lord halfway, but not the other half. They will give up possessions, friends, and honors, but it touches them too closely to disown themselves. Kelly adds this. It is just this astonishing life which is willing to follow Jesus the other half, sincerely to disown itself, this life which intends complete obedience without any reservations, that I would propose to you in all humility and all boldness and all seriousness then he writes, I mean this literally, utterly, completely. I mean it for you and me. Commit your lives to an unreserved obedience to him. Holy obedience. William James, the Harvard psychologist, says this. In some, religion exists as a dull habit. In others, as an acute fever. I love that. Spirituality to you, is it a dull habit or is it an acute fever? Then he writes, religion as a dull habit is not that for which Christ lived and died. He wants us to burn up with an acute fever for him. And that is holy obedience. And that is surrender. I'm sure you understand the difference when you look at it in another context. You know, there's a difference between being married to someone versus 
being head over heels in love with someone. There's a difference between having a child and and just doting over your child and so in love with your child, even if your child is an adult. There's a difference there. There's a difference between practicing and picking at a musical instrument versus playing music. There's a difference between taking a walk in the woods versus becoming one with nature. There's a difference between punching in at work versus getting lost in your work. And these, the second category is this acute fire. In our lives, are we devoted all the way? Have we surrendered all? Remember the widow with the two copper coins? She could have kept them both. She could have put in half, but she gave her all. That's surrender. When you put in everything you have, that is surrender. And that's what God is looking for. That's what Jesus commended her for, giving everything. Kelly writes, and I love this line right here. He writes, God asks all, but he also gives all. God gives us all, and so he can't ask us all. God doesn't want our relationship with him just to be a dull habit. He wants it to be an acute fever. That's holy obedience. To put on this breastplate of righteousness means that we're going to surrender all of our life to Jesus. And if you haven't surrendered, then don't expect to get the breastplate of righteousness. It's God gift, God's gift, and he gives it to us when we surrender all to him. They go together. So have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Let me encourage you to do something. You can do it right now, or you can do it later on. I ask you to get a blank sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil. So you could do it now, you could do it later, whatever. You might have something nearby. I want to just ask you to do this little exercise with me. Take this blank sheet of paper and at the very bottom, right or left-hand side of the page, just simply sign your name. Now, I want you to take this sheet of paper that you've signed your name on, and I want you to imagine yourself handing it to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you fill out the rest. That's surrender. When you're willing to just give Jesus your all, you're signing it all away and say, Jesus, do with this as you would, because you're the Lord and I am not. You're the Lord and I'm your servant. You're the Lord and I am surrendered. Before we take communion, I want to close with some words from John Wesley, and then I'll lead us in a prayer, and we'll take our communion together. Wesley writes, I am no longer mine, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you and lay aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly 
yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for the gift of your righteousness. Help us to live wholehearted, fully surrendered lives to your glory. Bless this bread and this fruit of the vine as we partake of it. Help us to focus on Jesus. In him, amen.